At Connection, we're a very real church. Um, this morning, you have the freedom to do a couple different things. If I say something that you agree with, not because it's my opinion, but because it's God's word, you can say amen. <clears throat> you can say, that's right. Um, you can also agree with me when I talk about some things that we're scared of. I, I had a list of things that I could pick from that we were scared of. Um, some of you are scared of cold weather. <laughs> really. Um, I just got back from a, a trip to, um, if I can pronounce this correctly, unlike us Southern Illinois people, uh, I just went to North Dakota for a week. And um, my wife asked me why I was wearing shorts today. And I said, this is a heat wave. <laughs> I've got my cold fix. I love cold weather. Wednesday, it was seven wind chill minus seven. They always have wind. They tell you two different temperatures. The first one is what the thermometer says. And then it's what you feel. Okay. But I have got my cold fix. We're going to get this cold weather. Um, some of us have fear of spiders. Mice. Oh, snakes. You know, I was, around a, I was around a college football player this week, a great, big, strong guy. And we were talking about things that we were scared of. Do you know what he was scared of? Now, I found this weird because I'm not scared of this. You know what this guy was scared of? This guy was like six foot, 215 pounds, probably benches 350, huge guy. You know what he's scared of? Mice. I'm like, dude, step on them. You're big. But it's not that, it's not that easy when it's something that you're scared of. Anybody who's scared of public speaking? See how many people are publicly afraid to raise their hand? <laughs> this morning we're going to talk from Matthew chapter 5. And we are talking, we're talking about the, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' probably most famous sermon, probably the most famous sermon that was ever uh, recorded. Um, we do have some new connect groups. What Colton mentioned on Wednesday, we are having a, a connect group at 6.30 p.m. Um, at Mary and I and Emma and Lydia's new to us home. Uh, it's, on, it's in Blueford, just inside the Wayne County line, about a mile north and about uh, a quarter mile east uh, off of 15. It's all paved road. So if your fear is getting your vehicle dirty, you can drive on all paved road till you get to our driveway, uh, and it's just gravel. So if you want to come and hang out with us, but if you're already attending a connect group, we don't want to see you. Can I be real? I don't want you to go to a different group, okay? Uh, our goal is um, we have expanded over the last two years. We've had four or five new Connect groups. Um, what we're going to work with in our house is we're going to train people. This is what Connect groups do. We're going to seek um, to, to learn more about God. We're going to talk about this today. To seek to learn more about God and to train people up and bring them up. And then, this will scare some of you away. You ready? This is, this is be a fear of some of you. Whenever, whenever we know that there's another need or there's another house that comes available, we're going to send some of you out to start a new one. <gasps> I'm not going to that group. Fine. You're going to miss out on the cool food. See, that's how we get you there, right? And listen, we, this is what connect groups do. To give birth to another group is, is, what, is what we're supposed to do, okay? So we're, and, but, but here's the deal. Just start off real quick. That scares people. I'm so comfortable. I like doing this and doing this. Um, This is going to be another point in, in a little bit in my sermon, but okay, a follower, of, a follower of Jesus, a person that says that they're a Christian, they've made a decision in their life, they're a Christian, they're saved, they're whatever church word you want to listen to. I want you to hear this, but I want you to hear this in the right context. To a person that follows Jesus, that is said in their ways, the word change is worse than any other cuss word you could possibly say out loud. I want you to say that again. Until someone says amen. Because somebody that is so drowned and so 
down and sunk deep in that rut of nothing changes, nothing changes, nothing changes, the word change is probably stronger to them than any cuss word you could possibly ever say to them. They're stuck. But some people are, are afraid of getting unstuck. Matt, where are we going? We've looked at Jesus and before Jesus was John the Baptist, Jesus comes and gets baptized. We see the temptation of Jesus. We saw the, uh, what it cost to follow Jesus. You know, we're in, a, we're in a great season here in Illinois. We're in a great season. There's lots of seasons coming. Thanksgiving, Christmas, first shotgun deer season, second shotgun deer season, duck and goose season, muzzleloader season, you know, we all celebrate different seasons in our houses, don't we? And oh, by the way, I know some of you are like, okay, Matt's a hunter. He mounts animals and stuff. I'm not going to come to his house because there's all kinds of crazy stuff. There's only one, there's only one mounted animal. It's from Africa. It's in my living room. What Mary calls the room of death is downstairs. You don't have to see it if you don't want to see it, okay? So well, anyway, we, we, God has blessed us with, with a home and we really want to share with people. Um, you can see our address in there. If you need directions, come and talk to me. Don't miss out this Saturday. It's, it's kid-friendly. Bring your kids. Come meet us at the K-3 Primary Center Saturday at 10. It will not take very long. This is an unbelievable, awesome uh, event because the kids get to help us give away. In fact, whenever I'm with a group, we really, we really help the kids, and they do most of the giving away. Um, to be perfectly honest, some adults that would tell you and I no if we handed them something won't tell a kid no. And we want to we show them how much God loves them. But in Matthew chapter 5... We are looking, still looking at the, at the title, where do we go from here? But this is where rubber meets the road. This is where Christianity literally leaves a lot of people and a lot of people stay here. Um, if I was to do this, if I was to give you this, I'm not going to give it to Emma, she might take it, but you guys would know what this one, out of all these keys, you would know what this one, it's the only one that says GMC. Chances are it's to my truck, right? Um, these other ones aren't labeled. Okay, so this one goes to a lock. Do you have those keys? I write on mine. Not specific, but where things are. Um, you know what that's to? I'm not telling you. You know what that's to? I'm not telling you. And these are, they're, they're not, uh, there's only one that has a name on it, and then you still have to know where that thing is. To find it. And I know. But here's the deal. When God gives us, Jesus is sitting down on this mountainside today and he's going to preach the Sermon on the Mount, the most famously recorded sermon of all time. And he is going to hand these people keys. But when Jesus hands us keys, they're used for something. You may have a safe at home and you have a key or a combination key that you can get into it. Inside is something that you consider valuable. You come to my house, I can show you something that's, that's probably not very numerically, monetarily valuable. It's priceless to me. It's a tie tack. That's it. It's the only thing that I have that was my grandpa's. And in that day, in his time, every single Sunday that he preached a sermon from the pulpit, which is 44 years of his 64-year life, he wore that tie tack. It's priceless to me. It's priceless. And I have that locked up. I'm not telling you where it is. It's precious to me, right? So when, when, when God gives us keys spiritually, he says, okay, on Saturday, if, we sh- if you show up, 
I've given you, you, you understand how I've changed you, and I've given you the key to show compassion. And he's given us keys to unlock different things in this world so that we can use them. When God gives us keys, they're not to be put up and just thought of until we, we're, we have open access to, hey, unlock different things. But the only way, the only way that you understand how to use these keys, and this is going to come up really soon, is your position to where God is. And the Sermon on the Mount can be very tricky to, to look at. And, you know, was Jesus in the amphitheater in Rome? No. He was literally on the side of a hill. This week, I got to experience some of the most unbelievable... If, you, if you're a fan of sunset pictures, uh, my phone doesn't do it justice. But if you've ever been in North Dakota, here's something that they don't have that we do. You know what it is? Trees. They don't have any. Like, like they, the ones they have, they planted, and they're very sporadic. I was hunting in a deer stand. I could literally see 30 miles, and it looked like Kevin Costner and the buffaloes were going to come over and dance with wolves. There's nothing there. And I said, you can't possibly have deer there. And every, he would drive by a field, and he goes, did you see that deer? And he would back up, and i go, oh, there's three. And there's no trees. I don't know. So it, we, had, we had this whole week of just seeing this beautiful, we saw buffalo. You know, if you've seen, if you've seen Dances with Wolves, Tatanka, right? Has anybody seen this movie? Today, it's, you have like seven hours to watch it. Okay, it's, it's long. It's like the original Lord of the Rings movies in length. So um, we saw this beautiful country, this vast country. And I was just amazed at what God just showed me. The beauty in the nature. And some of you are like, there is no beauty when the real actual felt temperature is minus seven. That was real. Awakening <laughs> for me. That was cold. Okay. But when Jesus sits up here, he is handing people, if you look in your worship hand out at the first blank, Jesus is giving the people the keys to living a life that impacts the kingdom. Now there's going to be a lot of things that I say this morning that you're going to hear, if you hear them wrong, you're going to be really upset with me when I leave. This is not my opinion. This comes out of God's word. Watch. I remember being a part of a church I went randomly because we normally didn't get to go to church with my grandparents because we were in another church. And I heard my grandpa preach a sermon one time. And afterwards, a deacon got up and they made a huge, they had a lunch. It was a huge deal. And this like 85-year-old lady comes down. I could tell you her name, but right now she's currently worshiping at Jesus' feet right now. And she comes forward and they make this gigantic, this is a lunch, people. Lunch in Baptistville is a big deal. If you grew up in a Baptist church and you had a lunch, it's a big deal, okay? That's what we're known for, okay? And they had this huge deal, and this lady came up and got this little pin. Pin. It was a pin. And it was for like 40 years of perfect attendance at Sunday school. Okay? Now, I didn't comprehend the level of commitment that that took, but here's where this led me in, in my studying. If Jesus gives you keys, they're to impact the kingdom. By checking off one of those present boxes on the old envelopes. You with me? Uh By checking that off and meaning that you're here gives no worth necessarily to you impacting the kingdom of God. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're impacting the kingdom. We, we desire, when I said, when, at our connect group, we are intentionally making a focus of raising people up to start another connect group. That impacts other people. That's the kingdom. And you know what? It scares me. I don't like it. 
I'm very comfortable. The first connect group me and Mary were with, we were with for four years. And then Mike comes to us and he said, hey, we need to split your connect group. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. He goes, why? I said, because it's not comfortable. I don't want to do it. You ever throw fits like this with God? Liar, you do. You do. I don't want to do that. It's too uncomfortable. And we did, and we, keep, we want to build up to increase. There's many people in our community, many people in our church that aren't in the connect group right now. We have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And some of you are like, well, my work schedule doesn't work out with that, and I can only meet Saturday mornings. You tell me when you can meet Saturday mornings, I'll find you a house, I'll find you a teacher, we'll get another connect group started. We will. That's what, but just because you're involved or you attend doesn't mean you impact the kingdom. I was out on a hunt with my uncle and my cousin. We had a great time. We shot ducks and geese and we deer hunted. It was awesome. Again, I thought I was going to see Kevin Costner and that's for real. So we had a great time. Do you know that the most impactful thing of me for that entire week had nothing to do with hunting? Nothing at all. I got a phone call from somebody in my family. And they said, hey, somebody needs to talk to you. I said, okay, is this, are we in trouble? They're like, no, it's good news. I said, hello. They got on the phone. They said, I need to tell you something. I said, what's that? I realized that I'm a sinner and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. I don't care if I would have seen a duck. That's important. It's, it's about impacting the kingdom. And for that young lady, I have prayed prayers over that she impacts the kingdom. That she doesn't attend, that she doesn't just become a consumer, but that she becomes an impactor. And I, I so would have loved to sit at Jesus' feet and hear this. And as much as I want to think Jesus was preaching in front of this crowd, and he heard all these people go, Amen, Jesus, keep it preaching, right? I've, I, I remember being in a church, and we had this guy, very hard of hearing, and sat in the back row. That doesn't make sense. Okay, anyway, you know why I sat in the back row? This is where he always sat, right? He didn't move. So, but he loved to say this. My, my grandpa would preach something. He'd go, say it again. Instead of saying it, he'd say it again. Now, as much as I want to picture in my mind, Jesus being this preacher, be like, you know, and this, and I'm the son of God, and people like stand up and say, yeah, 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 say it again. It was the exact opposite. You dive into this scripture, it would be the exact opposite. Because when Jesus gave the people keys, do you know what the people didn't understand? They didn't realize what the keys were, where they need to put the keys, or what they were used for. And Jesus goes in this sermon and he begins to break down all the things that are involved with a kingdom impactor. People were confused at what he said. Look at verse, uh, verses 1 and 2 in Matthew chapter 5. And if you underline in your Bible, this is a great place to underline. You can go back. But I want to I show you something. In verse 1 it says, One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus was bigger than the Beatles. He was bigger than anybody that is, that is, is popular today. They, they, they came from everywhere to see him, but everybody that showed up didn't want to hear what he said. They just wanted to be around him. Hey, what's going on with this? So Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat down. People. His disciples gathered around him. Where are you at positionally when you're trying to learn from God? Are you in the crowd? Or do you want to be intentional? Oh boy, this is going to get sharp. This is going to get real sharp. 
The, the, the Sermon on the Mount is nothing but <laughs> hard. His disciples gathered around him. So Jesus was teaching. These people probably would have been on the other side of the mountain, but these guys made a choice to sit by the teacher. They wanted to be by the teacher. Teach us. And he began to teach. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read Scripture, it's really funny sometimes because you read something and go, man, you, Peter, you idiot. Jesus told you that three times. Why don't you do that? Until God lets us understand that he tells us a lot more than three times, and we're the same person. Okay, so these disciples, if you were one of Jesus' disciples in that day, it would have probably been really easy for you to get a big head. You're walking with the man that can make people undead. Okay, I don't know if you know this, but it's not happened a lot. Okay, so they, they heal people. He's, he, he tells people to confess their sins because he knows them, and they do, and they're, they're starting to share this gospel about him. <laughs> Real quick, you're going to be a coach. I don't care what sport you pick. You can pick track, football, golf, foosball, shuffleboard, bowling. I don't care, okay? I don't care. But you have two different types of athletes. One of my volleyball players, players was here this morning, and she understood what I was going to say, okay? You have two types of players in your team. You have these two people, and you, and you, have, you, have, you already have your team, but these are going to be the influential players on your team. They're going to set the tone for the year. This side, we have the MVP, and he knows it. Name in the paper. He's got an awesome last name. I know that, I know that nobody, uh, nobody has ever heard of politics being involved with uh, last names in sports or anything, but that's a very real thing, okay? So this guy has it all. He's, he's a good-looking kid. He's, he's a great player. He's a great athlete. He makes good grades. He's got a pretty girlfriend. He's got everything that you could want. The problem is he knows it. He knows it. You know this kid? Don't say any names out loud. Do not point at people. Do not text anyone currently right now. But if you've played sports, you've played with this kid. Unfortunately, Matt used to be one of these kids, and not, not the good-looking part, okay? I'm just thankful Mary thinks so, I guess. So anyway, this kid, this kid is successful at what he does, but humility is nowhere around him, and he's not teachable. Or you have this. You have an average to above-average player, but if you told them, they listen so intently in practice that if you said, This morning for practice, we're going to run through that door. And if you hit it, you have to keep running into it until you can't do it anymore. And they're laying there knocked out. Who do you want to coach? If you have thought about coaching for longer than five seconds, you want to coach the second kid. They're teachable. They will learn. They will listen. Okay? Who are you to God? Yeah, I'm a pastor. Mm-mm, don't know if you know this, but we're 12 years old. We got like nine connect groups. We run a couple hundred people. 70 people joined in the last couple of years. I don't know if you know this, but we're kind of a big deal. We got a sweet popcorn machine. We got a killer youth group. Everybody's cool at school. Goes to our church. Listen, <laughs> I, told that, I, told, I told them, and my, one of my volleyball players was here this morning, and I said, if one of those kids and my girls comes up to me and they think that they're, all, they're doing everything right, they're probably already running because they're in trouble. 
being prideful in practice doesn't exist. There's a hallway that we have that comes out to our gym, and there's fresh paint on this three-year-old school, and we've already got good hand, like a good, nice, dirty handprint on the top because when they run out for practice, they touch that, and they leave everything there, and if they don't, I promise they wish they would have because you're a part of a team. And I, and I know some of you that aren't involved in sports are like, holy cow, you're hard on them. If they learn that, there's a lot more that they can take from that and apply it spiritually. There's a lot more in volleyball that we teach. But Jesus begins to teach, and I wonder if, if, we're, if we're a teachable person or that we're not a teachable person. So look at the blank. It's going to be kind of a, an, easy, it's an easy one. But are you teachable? Are you coachable? Are you the person that, that when God talks to and he says, Matt, you don't have it all together. I said, I know, God. God, help me. Let me show you how Matt's changed. I, I, I want to be open with this because I want you to see into my life. I dressed varsity as a, as a, as a freshman in college and I played baseball. There you go. whoop de doo I was hitting batting practice. We played in a fall league and we're almost done with the fall league. It's like 25 games long. And there's nobody in the history of the, the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, that has a batting average career-wise that's over 400. There's only been a couple players do it in a single year. At that current time, I was hitting somewhere around 430. Our hitting coach, brand new, brand new hitting coach, didn't even know his name, Coach Darren Munns, changed my life. He walks into that, and I'm taking batting practice, and I'm just ripping balls. I'm like, yeah, I'm the man. He looks at me, and he goes, we need to change your swing. Old Matt said... Yeah, well, I don't think you understand how good I'm hitting right now. Just arrogant, unteachable. He worked with me. By the end of my career, I was successful enough to go play past college because of him. It wasn't because of me. It was because of somebody else. But it took me to a point where he let me fail so much. I'm not so sure he didn't tell the other teams how to pitch me so I wouldn't be successful. For real. But sometimes God does that with us. And he got me to a point that I would say, okay, dude, I need, to, I need you to do something. Something needs to happen. Are you teachable? Do you, know who gets to, do you know who gets to choose if you're teachable or not spiritually? Not you. I didn't like that answer when I studied this two weeks ago. God gets to decide if you're teachable or not. God will use you if you're teachable and I thought about this, it's highlighted on here, because when I highlight something on here, it means, it almost means like warning, caution, danger, don't say this really loud and intentful, because it's sharp. You ready? This is, this is, my, this is my, personal, my personal observation of earth and America right now. The world doesn't need more followers of Jesus that know it all. It needs more followers of Jesus to say, teach me more Jesus. We don't need followers of Jesus to say, I know it all. We need more people of Jesus, followers of Jesus to say, what can I learn today? The most spiritual giant people that I know will not brag on anything that they've done. But you know what the common denominator is that they have? My spiritual heroes in this life can tell you how bad of a sinner they are. That's humility. You do not lead well if you are arrogant. I'm not talking about anything that you work with, but if you work with an arrogant boss, you get what I'm saying. If you ever work for an arrogant boss, if you've ever worked for somebody that's arrogant around you. Now, the world knows the old Matt. When they see me, they say, you couldn't have changed, and I say, Jesus changed me. Okay? Now, here's the problem. 
If you run across these people from your past, they say you haven't changed, but you have. And to be perfectly honest, it doesn't matter whether they accept that or not. You have to show them that you have. So instead of, instead of doing what we should have done, over the last two weeks, do you know what the church, the capital C church, and I'm not including anybody here, I'm just making this pretty broad. And the, all the followers of Jesus, do you know what they've been saying on social media? Kanye West could have never got saved. Can I just tell you that that's absolutely insane and stupid? Instead of saying Kanye West couldn't change because of his past, you know what I think? If Jesus cannot change Kanye West's past to what it is now, you and I are in a whole lot of trouble too. We are. Yet the only thing that you see is, oh, that's a fad. He'll go away from it. Really, I would like to see us, me and you included, have our lives on such a microscope like he is and stand up to the paparazzi and all the media and stand up on his platform and say, Jesus is my king. Because many of us would not do it. And I just, I get so frustrated when I look at social media and they just bash him. By the way, you should listen to it. Oh no, our pastor likes rap. Yes, I do. It's not a sin. I like things that have a beat. My, the array of music in my truck would be like, whoa, you can't even understand it because they're screaming so loud. Yeah, it makes you want to lift heavy things. Or run faster away from those things. I don't know. See, are you teachable? He goes on in verse 3 and says this. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Poor does not mean financially poor. Listen here, listen. I have a lot to say. I've been gone too long. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. God blesses those people. He does not bless in this scripture the people that say, hey God, I have it under control. God looks at the people, those people that are great to me in my spiritual life and they teach me. And I heard this, I heard this pastor pray one time at church and he was an unbelievable preacher. Everybody in the community he, he was married for a long time. He had a long ministry. It was a very God-honoring life. His kids are all in ministry. And I heard him, and he said, I'm going to close in prayer. I, he lit, he just, I mean, if, if I believed in mic drops after you preach a sermon, this was it. Like, he just dropped the hammer. He finishes, and he said, I'm gonna, I want to sing a song as a prayer to dismiss the service. I'm, I'm thinking in my head, and I go, I've heard this guy sing. This isn't going to be good. He could carry a tune in a bucket with a lid. And he began to speak more than he didn't sing. And to knock home his point of that sermon, he said these words. Some of you will probably remember this. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my confidence, oh Lord, I need you. It wasn't look at me in my life of ministry. It was God, I need you to, I need you to teach me. Continue. He's over 70 years old when he's saying that. And I'll never forget that. Do you live like that though? A nobody. How about this? New song. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that saved my soul. <laughs> yeah, that's how we should live. When we look down through the ages, I love, I love that there's another song, I think it's by Big Daddy Weave. It says, I don't care if they remember my name. If somebody thinks about me, I want them to think about Jesus. 
Matt Griswold was not a great father. He was not a great pastor. He was not a great person. He just wanted to see as many people get saved and go to heaven with him as he could. That's all I care about. That's it. That's it. I strive to be a good dad. I strive to be a good husband, but I fail. I want people to look at me and go, he was a real guy. He struggled with real stuff, but he knew Jesus, and he wanted everybody to know what was around him, to know him. That's all, that's all I want. I'm never going to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not even going to be in my college Hall of Fame. You know why? I missed it by one hit, for real. Oops. It doesn't mean anything to me. That means absolutely nothing. That fails to comparison when I got a phone call that my niece had asked Jesus Christ to come into her life. <laughs> my uncle comes in the room. He goes, dude, you okay? I go, I couldn't be better. Look at verse 4. God blesses those who mourn. This is not for people that cry often. Okay? God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God bless those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. You and I probably have people currently right now that are in our families that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and if they die today, they would spend eternity in hell. Let's just get real down to the point. My problem is this. Do you have a desire in your life to, to have them be saved? Does it burn inside you that you have a job to show them how powerful and how much God is good? Do you pray for them often? Do those people see you as teachable? Because God blesses those who are humble. You know what this doesn't say? It doesn't say, in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 5, does not say, God blesses those who go to their work and stir stuff up. Some people, I'm not saying that you're in the room or listening online, but I think some people think they have a misinterpreted spiritual gift of stirring the pot. Take care of your own stuff. Go to work and go home. Talk about Jesus. Live a life that's good. It is not your job to be 16 foot tall behind a keyboard on social media and blow everything up. Our world is, man, I can post something and I could rip every single one of you apart. I have 1,800 friends. Hmm whatever. I'm sure many of them have unfollowed me and they don't know who I am anymore. So anyway, we, we, we see something and we just want to, you should look at the Twitter feeds. Look at the stuff that's being said about Kanye West. Listen, why do we have such a problem thinking that Jesus can't save this guy when us that have been saved see a guy come from that kind of background to a relationship with Jesus should be throwing our hands up going, thank you, God, another one came home. God blesses those who are humble. God blesses those who are humble. Look at verse 6. God blesses those, if you underline, who hunger and thirst, for they will be satisfied. God's not talking about your appetite. He's not talking about you going to Dairy Queen and getting a peanut butter parfait after lunch. If you keep thinking about food, we're just, I think we're going to get done by about 3, so we should eat a late lunch. It'll be good. For they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Here's the problem, real quick. Somebody that you love has something happen to them. It's bad. It's not a good thing. One of your kids, somebody. Somebody that you love has something bad happen to them. This is our first reaction. You ready? You can tell me if I'm wrong. Smoke them. They deserve the death penalty. They deserve to go to jail. They deserve to do this and they do this. They should lose their job and they should lose their privileges to do this and they should do this and they should do this. Now let's back up. You do something wrong. 
the first word out of your mouth now is not smoking, but mercy. Am I wrong? You get caught doing something? (laughs) Some of you imagine that you know the speed limit out here? You don't. It's actually a lot lower than what you go. I'm not lying. I have, I have, we have radar detectors out here. We have a little camera. We take pictures of everybody in our church that speeds by. We don't. <laughs> we have a lot of confessions after church. Okay, so not my business. Okay, but look, God blesses those who are merciful. Merciful to the people that hate you. Oh, yeah. Look at verse 8. It gets, real, it gets even better. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. How about this? Anybody ever said anything bad about you because, of you because you follow Christ? I've been called not fun. Listen, I'm not saying that I'm the most fun person in the room. I like to have a good time. I'm not boring, I don't think. I'm too hyper to be boring, I think. But God blesses those who work for peace, not stirring the pot. <laughs> Some of you go to work and you're just like, yeah. You get behind your keyboard and you think, oh, I'm going to set the record straight on this. You're not doing anything. Most of the time that we talk about peace and we look at peace in the Bible, Jesus literally means this, shut your mouth. I know what you did was right. I know your heart. I see the purity of your actions. I know that they don't like you. I wish. Over the, over the course of my time at Connection, over 12 years, I would love just for you to see a peace did you know, now this is going to shock some, did you know that if you were a pastor, it, the, because it starts with a P, it doesn't make you popular? Did you know that? Do you know that just because you're a pastor or a follower of Christ, that people don't always say nice things about you? Do you know that some of those people that can come from the church, the sharpest things that are said about us most of the time come from people that we know, that don't agree with us. God sees your heart. We should work for peace. If any of you young ladies ever want to go, go try for Miss Universe or Miss America, then the number one popular answer of what you want is world peace, right? But God says we should work for peace. It's very difficult for me to understand and go along with somebody that's speaking negatively with me. Even if they take their time to hear my side. If they take their time to hear my side... I have a lot better chance of having a conversation with someone. There's a world out here that doesn't know Jesus, and what they don't need is a whole bunch of people coming out of the church like this, like sneaking up behind them and getting ready to just whack them on the head with one of these things. Okay, we are not called to play spiritual wapamole with people. Osmosis with the Bible doesn't work. Knocking them unconscious with the word of God is not okay. Okay, it's a sword. Don't cut anybody. That's God's job. That's God's job to convict. We're called to work for peace. Well, I don't want to work for peace. Listen, look, look, at, look at this next verse. Look at 10. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You have a job. God has called you to do certain things. This is my studying. This is what God tells me. So I want you to join me on this boat because I'm tired of being on it by myself. This is what God talked to me about this. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Do you know what God told me when I was studying this? It's not up for you to decide where we're going. Mm. (laughs) 
God, you knew that I did this because you told me to do this, and the only thing I'm getting is just pounded with awful stuff. God answered, it's great, isn't it? No, it's not great. Your reward is not here, Matt. My, gra- my grandpa used to have a sticker on the side of his uh, window in, in his house. It says, uh, it says, pastoring doesn't pay well, but the retirement is out of this world. <laughs> You'll get it about lunch, okay? When you die, you go to heaven. Anyway, so God blesses when you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about and says all sorts of evil stuff against you because you are my followers. Watch this. There's a room of us, okay? You have to be interactive, ready? I'm gonna have you raise your hand that within the last week, somebody has said something negatively about you. Raise your hand. <laughs> it happens all the time. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand if you said something negatively because that's a whole other ball game. The <laughs> See, we're honest here. Maybe we should do this. Yeah, I have, okay? And you don't even have to say that out loud. God sees your heart, remember. Because they just said, this. surely I've never killed anybody. He said, if you've thought about murder in your heart, you've hated anybody, you've already committed murder in your heart, you've already sinned. So when God blesses you, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Man, this is awesome when you have kids, isn't it? Dad, they said this about me. You want to talk about hurt? I can't take that away. Dad, they said something to me because we go to church all the time. (laughs) My answer is we're not going to quit going to church. My answer is you need to show them how to live and show what Jesus has done in your life. Look at verse 12. This is what he says about it. Hey, when this stuff happens, I want you to be happy. Um, Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in this way. Persecution that he talks about in the Bible right here on this time in history. Probably between the, the, the years of 0 to 35 in some capacity. This is when we're looking at this. The word persecution takes on a whole other meaning than it does here in our world right now. Especially as a 2019 American. The persecuted here is hunted killed not 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 good they're 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 persecuted in a way that they're they're getting followed they're getting killed um one of the disciples was drugged by the feet behind a horse until he died why because he wouldn't quit talking about jesus and we think, listen, listen, I, I'm, I'm being really serious, and I'm not taking a political or a musical side of this, but I want you to look at something. I'm not sure that I know very many people that had the status of Kanye West or somebody famous that made such a life reversal decision under such a strong microscope that would take the step to stand up and say, he asked his, his, he asked his wife to change her wardrobe to something more modest when they went out last week. You know how I know that? Reporters. They know everything about this guy. They know what kind of milk he buys at the store or who he has buy it, whatever. Listen, I have a hard time thinking that Matt could stand up on this under such a microscope, but that's the change that Jesus can bring. It's different. By the way, listen to his album. It is good. It's really good. Oh, our pastor likes rap. Yeah, I do. 
It's good. There's a beat to it. The lyrics. I want you to look at the lyrics. The lyrics are incredible. They're good. Look at the last blank in your worship handout. God has called us to live a life that glorifies him. Now, I want, I, I, we capitalize this on purpose. Now, I want, I want you to hear me, and I just want you to hear me really quick. God has not called us to live a life that glorifies us. He, he hasn't. I have people that come to me that say, there's a lot of, lot of cars in your parking lot the other day. Were there a lot of people at your church? How many people are at your church? I said, Several. Well, you must be doing a good job. You know what I said? You know what I literally say? I said, we just have a lot of great people that go there. You will not find me outside of this church going, I happen to be the pastor of Connection. They bought me like three cars. You haven't bought me a car. It'd be cool, but you haven't bought me a car. I'm not asking for that. I don't want a life that glorifies me. I want a life that glorifies God. You know what the difference is? A lot. A lot. Are you willing to be used for his glory? This is where it gets really hard for somebody that used to battle a lot of ego problems. Ready? <clears throat> a whole lot of the things that God calls me to do, and I know that you think that this is, some people literally think that I work for like two hours on a Sunday, and it's not like the truth, if you don't know that. So, but this is about the only thing that I do that's in a, in a, in a public manner. What God is really teaching me through this, because I have struggled with a lot of ego and non-humility and pride problems and stuff, am I willing to do what he wants me to do if it means that nobody sees it? You know the name of the person that cleans the leaves out of the gutter in our church? No? I didn't think so. You know the person that came here early that uh, cleaned the windows before the 9 o'clock service? How about the person that put, took four chairs from back and moved them in there so our security teams could sit down this morning? You know the person that set up the check-in stuff for your kids? You know the person that vacuumed under your chair when you spill popcorn all over the place? I don't say that to be arrogant about them. I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff that gets done that nobody sees, but that's where a lot of people have a lot of trouble serving. My grandpa used to say it's like playing second fiddle. If you take the second fiddle away, it's not the one that's most heard. It's the first one, because she's the awesome one. He's the awesome one. But if you listen close enough and the second one stops playing, you stop hearing, you stop hearing the harmony of the two instruments together. It's there. But it's not standing out. So when God says, you know, where do we go from here as a Christian? It's not about, hey... Yeah, I don't know if it's a big deal or not to you, but we've played at seven, year, seven churches in four years. <clears throat> if God does that, that's awesome. Okay? But it's not for me. It's, it's, it's God. It's God. Are you willing to take a back seat? See, here's the deal. What I've done in my life with God is, um, I'll do this. I literally, literally, I said, God, I'll play professional baseball like that's my choice. I'll play professional baseball, and I'll even be a Christian for you when I do it. You know what God knew that I, that I forgot that I wouldn't have? I wouldn't have. And he has a, a really good way of getting us to listen, doesn't he? He can let, he can let you just fail just enough to where you decide you're going to listen. 
Am I willing to be used for his glory? Am I willing to give everything I have to do anything that is called about me and to do? Am I willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? I got asked, I got asked this week, somebody texted me and they said, when are you coming back? Next time you're on vacation anywhere, I'm going to text you that. I was gone for the ninth time in 12 years Sunday. I don't say that to brag. I say that because it's important for me and my family to be here. We love this place. We love the people. That's it, because they love God. I got home last night, and it was great to get home. I came in here this morning, I'm like, yo, it's great to be here. Because I missed you. And where I was last week was really cold, and it's not cold here. <laughs> but see, we, ha- we have to understand, are you willing to do anything short of sinning to, send, to help send as many people that you can to heaven? Are, are, you, wi- are you willing to do what's that? Listen, some of, this screen right here on this computer, and Todd's probably watching from out there. I'm not going to touch it. But it means absolutely nothing to me other than it's a MacBook Pro and I can like, you know, force quit it like with, you know, Command Q. Some of you don't speak Mac and you don't speak Mac. But that means absolutely nothing. When I was playing music, I said, hey, this is my plug to my guitar. Where do you plug it in so it makes noise? I don't speak this. We all have different stuff that we can do. Are you willing to do what, are you willing to come out Saturday? It's a Saturday. It'll cost you. You, co- you come out to a community loving and it will cost you and your family. No money. But it'll cost you gas to get there, or diesel, whatever you drive. It costs you time. Cost you, cost you, cost you some different stuff. But are you willing to maybe talk to that one person that needs to hear about who God is? See, God's not calling us to the forefront. He's calling us to make Him the forefront. We're the. He's the reason that we are who we are. But He wants to change us. So, so in this world right now, the world doesn't need the world doesn't need Christians. Let's say, God, I've learned everything that I need to. This world needs Christians that back up and say, God, I'm not the person that I should be, but I always have something to learn. Teach me. When you can be that person in this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, when you can be, when you can be that person and lay your pride aside, let me tell you, God will do big things with you. But the more stuff he does, the more credit he gets. That's how that works. So maybe we're going to go out for lunch today. Maybe you're going to go somewhere and you're going to eat lunch. You're going to go to your house and you're going to be around friends later today. Or you're going to be around friends this week. You're going to go to work tomorrow. Whatever you're going to do. What can you do to show someone how God has changed your life? We all have that opportunity. But sometimes we don't take it. Let's pray. God, we just ask you right now. God, first of all, we just want to thank you for being you, for sending Christ, for, for the Holy Spirit coming. God, to understand lyrically what we sang today was we have already have the victory because of what Jesus has done. God, we, we face a lot of things in this room right now as work and family or whatever. God, there's a lot of fear in here. There's a lot of people that are scared. They don't want to admit it. I'm being one of those. There's things in this life that scare us. God, will you just reinforce the fact that you have us? And when things that are not good happen, God, that you, you are there for us to lean on. 
And when we're persecuted and pushed and, and made fun of and talked bad about, about the things that we're doing for your kingdom, God, that we can, should consider it joy and that our reward waits in heaven. But God, it's so hard to wait. And it is so hard to not see instant results. Would you just teach us how to be more like you? Would you just teach us and maybe convict us of how we need Jesus more in different areas of our life? We love you. So thankful for this time together. In your name we pray. Amen.